What's up, race fans, and welcome to another episode of the Pacino Report. This is season 2021, episode 27. That's right, of course, like a good Aussie, it is the Casey Stoner episode. 2007 World Championship with, with Ducati. Oh, my God, what an incredible legend. Someone who left the sport too soon. Oh, actually, did he? No, I think he left the sport just whenever the hell he wanted to leave the sport. Didn't play by anyone's rules. Typical Aussie. Yeah, screw you guys. I'm going home. Didn't give a shit. But <laughs> what an absolute legend. So it's episode 27. It's the Stoner episode. I do like a Stoner episode now and again. Smoking the broccoli. Indeed. Our. <laughs> anyway, enough of that. What a weekend of racing. We're here. Episode 27. We've just had some racing in Mizano. Um, my jaw has just been wound up from the floor because it's such an incredible weekend of racing. It was so cool. We've had a new world champion crowned. This guy ran about there somewhere. Yeah, that guy. And I'm sure everybody's heard about that now. So no spoilers, but there you go. We've got a new world champion. We've had, oh my God, Moto3 and Moto2. That's where the action is at. We've got two potential world champions in waiting that are limping towards their world championship they've got some guys on their tail will they catch them when they catch them it's been so exciting it's been really really good and for all those out there playing at home playing the shots game for when Stu gonna say it's so exciting that's one there we go <laughs> indeed so before we get into it i'm going to go and say a quick hello to my uh, my amazing wonderful co-host andra that is probably one of the most exciting ah there it is again weekends of racing that you've ever seen have a drink what did you think of that andra Oh my God. I want to watch it all again, like every single race and just, I don't even know what to say. It was just intense. The whole, I think we spoke about it leading up. The bikes were all tip top. The yeah. riders have been there not long ago. Um, they did their testing. Like it was just, and it, it delivered exactly what Manuel said. It really didn't. And uh, speaking of Manuel, the man whose, whose name is on the 10, look at that. It looks like he's what was he? he's somewhere, somewhere official looking. Oh my God. <laughs> and he's got his Pacino GP tank top on his, his, his polo top and everything man well how you doing i take it you've made it back from mizano you you're back in um Pacino yeah. gp headquarters look i am fed up of eating pizza and pasta yeah. finally, <laughs> poor thing? <laughs> Never. finally finally i meet a uh, home the first thing i'm going to do is eat a paella you know yeah paella some tapas <laughs> that, and some tapas that's right no it was a fantastic weekend uh, yeah. Things started so and so with the rain. We had rain yeah. for Friday and Saturday, but this made the things much more interesting on Sunday yeah. because no one had been on track on dry. So it was a kind of a gamble. And mm. this was very interesting. And this brought some surprises. And well, it was a great race. A great race, for example, that made that in MotoGP only 15 bikes cross the finish line finish. 15 oh i didn't even realize that until you were uh, until you said that just yeah. before i was like oh my god that's that's correct that's and then crazy. you think a lot yeah i've got a list here of everyone crashing out yeah crazy crazy okay so look realistically I, I know there's there's a lot of headlines going all over the world there is so much talk of um yeah who do you talk about first do you talk about this guy the world champion there was a there was an amazing one two by by repsol honda there's Valet's last race at Mizano as well, but I think realistically, from a um, from a, from a neutral point of view, 
I'd really like to talk. I know we spoke a lot about this guy last week when the, or the other week when there was no racing and we had a deep dive into, into Fabio. Lucky everything we said was relevant because he I has know. won the championship. That, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> Don't we look really smart now? I know, exactly. But yeah, Manuel. So he's he's finally done it. As we say, he's probably riding at, well, from the friend that ride in the weekend, he's probably riding at 50% at the moment. But what do you think about Fabio getting his world championship one year late? One year late. Why yeah, one year late? He should have had it last year. Oh, yeah, that's true. Well, it last year. It, it is like the apple on the tree until it's not mature. That's right. Yeah. It's not ripe yet. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, no, it was a great weekend. Uh, he was so uh, touched when he finished. He cried in the front of the TV, yep. of the Spanish TV. He, he couldn't like stop. Baby. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was a great weekend, great race again. He could have been more conservative, but we saw him uh, doing some overtakings that were hyper brilliant. Yep. And he deserves it. We have explained it so well in our last episode, you know? Yeah, yeah, definitely. 22 years old, and there he is, world champion. And the first in France. Uh, well, so many good things. Yamaha is back, you know. Mm-hmm. Is that? Yeah, but but that's a, that's a question. Is Yamaha back, or is it is it Fabio who's here? No, look. What what he shows is with that bike. If you hear the other, listen to the other riders, they will say mm-hmm. it's so difficult to overtake with the Yamaha. Sorry, sorry. Mm. Watch your teammate how he does it. You know, I can see a red and a little bit of blue just in there. Yeah, and he, bah, bah, he comes and it's in, only him. Yeah, at a certain point of the race, you saw him. There was a group of four riders. Yes, and he it was red. And he was yep. And he was in the back, and I was thinking, oh my god, there there is a big chance for him having an incident. Mm-hmm. But it took half of the track to overtake the three guys. Yeah, yep. fantastic, fantastic. Yep. So, so realistically, are we are we saying that the only reason that Morbidelli is not performing on the bike is because of his injury? So you think next year Morbidelli should be quite competitive? He should. He has all the cards in his hand. Get a bike next year. We know how the bike. No, it it will be interesting how much affects Mm. sending a rider into the back of the field, which is what Yamaha did, giving him that bike Uh this year. When he had deserved another one. Remember that uh, Morbidelli could have raced with number two on his bike. Yeah. This year, yeah. this season. He was yeah. the runner-up last year, but they set him on the worst Yamaha uh, on the grid. Yeah. And yeah. Where, how will this affect his evolution? You know, this yeah. will be interesting. Mm, exactly. exactly. Stand by for that. Yeah, so, I, I actually think that's going to be one of the really interesting things next year is that team dynamic. You know, we, we've seen how friendly and open that that Fabio is and and Morbido as well. I'm just wondering if we if we get something um, similar to sort of like because we've seen, we've seen it this year with with Remy and Raul as well in Moto Two, but now it's getting a little bit icy. I wonder if you might see something next year if there's a bit of a battle there next year. I think knowing the character of both, you know, they are the typical ones that each of them will work on their own way. Yeah, it's not like we explained in our previous video when uh, Fabio arrived this year in the paddock. Mm. He had a very clear idea to steal the number one status from mm. Maverick. 
and yep. this he did after three races. But now Morbidelli is a calm guy, maybe sometimes too Brazilian, you know, too calm. <laughs> yeah. his, his Brazilian side waits too much. Yeah, and yeah. Fabio is he's already the world champion, so this will give him a starts with somehow, an advantage, confidence, and, yeah, and a relaxed mm-hmm. approach. I hope so. I hope so. I yeah. I, I, I tend to agree with you. I, I think. I, I can't see any conflict there between those guys. I like you say because of their personalities. Um, but let's let's keep a track of that. Healthy competition. Yeah. Nothing wrong with yeah. healthy exactly. competition. Exactly. Would be would be nice to see respectful um, competition that that really acknowledges there's a boundary between where sport finishes and where aggression starts. You know, because because we we don't want to die doing this stuff. It's it's sport. Uh. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, true, absolutely yeah, yeah. true. Indeed, indeed. Because right. on the other side, on the other side of Yamaha, there is not much to be expected. Mm. With with Darren, Darren Binder, finally he will be the man. Ooh. He will have basically three or four times on the bike before he starts to race. There yeah. was some yeah. in, interesting feedback from everyone on that, even though we knew it was coming. There was a lot That's of criticism that, which I knew there'd be some, but there was a hell of a lot of criticism. And I still more than I was thinking. And I still come down to what rider, given that opportunity, would go, no, I don't think I'm ready. No thanks. Mm. But they're also critical. The only previous example of this big jump uh, was Jack Miller. It took him him three years to get ready for it. It did. That that piece by Simon Patterson earlier this week. I'm sure you guys you guys read that. That was quite interesting, and, and that that um, spoke about a very interesting point. At the time, Jack Miller was a compelling force in Moto3. He was going for the World Championship. He was winning races. He ended up losing the championship by like one or two points or something at the end of the year, but but he was really yes. pressing his case. You know, he was He was showing why he should be that person to step up, be it into Moto2 or Moto, MotoGP, who knows? But Darren really hasn't done that. And so it's very clear it's only a contractual obligation. So I'm wondering, as you say, Manuel, how long that will last next year if he if he doesn't. And what are they judging as a good performance on a, you know, yeah, on a, on look, a second it, rate it, bike? Who knows? Uh, the situation, remember that explained you about the, situ- the contract situation, right? Mm-hmm. That made it. Well, the story changed because... He had that contract signed with Stickerfeld. Mm. Yeah, who's not there for next year? Who was, at all. The, who was the co-owner of the Petronas team? Mm-hmm. In the new team, Stickerfeld has been treated and pushed out. Yep. So the contract Darren had with Stickerfeld was nothing because Stickerfeld has no team, is not there anymore. So contract-wise, that uh, uh, clause was not valid, but what has made Darren finally switch in that team? He will arrive with a sponsor. Ah, ah right. Okay. I there see. is with you, and there is a sponsor called, if I am not wrong, Green Power, I think. Oh, Green Power. Yep. Okay. okay. Oh, that, and Green Power Darren, will be, it? yeah, sponsor number, probably number two or number three. And this sponsor. made him. But as as I think you said, Andra, who would say no to the opportunity? Mm. Yeah, you know he and... he has the opportunity. He is going for it. He will have it. It will have a tough hard time. Hundred mm. percent. He's, he's like we've spoken about. He's big for those Moto Three bikes. He's definitely talented. 
Well, my question for you, Stu, if you had the say on who would take that seat instead, who would you choose? Have a drink Honest, and think about it. Honestly, I mean, I can I can give you the answer straight away. Go on. Foggia. Ah. Okay. I'd put Foggia on the bike. On that same move. I mean, from Moto3 straight from to Moto3? that one. Well, that's what I'm saying. If it's if it's going to be a Moto3 guy. Or anyone. You know? that's. I mean, it's, it's not going to be a Costa. So if we're talking exclusively Moto3 riders that are going to go up, you know, it's Acosta is is pretty much locked into to KTM and Red Bull. So if that's not the case, like with with you, you look at the other riders, it's got to be Foggia. He's the one that's compelling. He's the one that's pushing forward. But I understand there's, you know, nationality sensitivities, there's sponsorship sensitivities, there's contract sensitivities, and so that would never happen. So yeah, I, I get yeah, that. true. Yeah, yeah, it's good. Good point. Good point. But anyhow, we will see Darren uh, the first time on the bike. Yeah. 17, 17 plus five, probably on November 22, mm -hmm. on the test in Jerez de la Frontera, the yep. big MotoGP test. There will be two or three day testing. And there is where, where uh, poor Darren will switch or jump for a, from an 80 horsepower bike to a 300 horsepower. Oh, my, oh my God. God. And, we, you know, we saw Jake's face going from the Moto2 bike. I can't even imagine jumping yeah, up. His first session, he got up and went, holy shit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, that's putting it nicely. Okay, that's uh, – that, that, yeah, that's fantastic. So, look, let's talk about these guys. I want to I, I want to yeah. talk about these guys for a second, realistically. I think that they have – an amazing weekend like like realistically the these two guys here i i wasn't expecting pole to be anywhere near that podium at all mark people are saying he was gifted the the win yeah no you, you've got to you've got to be there but repsol honda i need to realize that bastanini came third just then i went I, is that who came third Who's who's that guy? What the hell? Oh, that's uh, that, don't worry. That's a point I want to get to in a minute. Sorry, but yeah. So Repsol Honda, their first one two for four years. Wow. And it's been it's been overshadowed by all this other news. Um, we had remember remember the beginning of this year and la all through last year, Manuel and Andrew. We had so much doom and naysayers mm. from Honda. Honda's stuff for the next five years. They're never going to win another race. Paul struggled so much at the Paul, start of this exactly. season. And, yep. Alex Marquez is shit. He can never ride the bike. <laughs> Paul's no, not any better. He can't ride the They've built a bike for Mark Marquez and no one else can win on that bike. So, what's Old Marbier. Yeah, yeah, well, exactly. So, That's what's like. What's happening, man? But as, Stu, so far, nobody has won. But Mark on that bike. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So, so we, we but, can't argue with that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But the the good thing, look, the thing is to know if this is the this result shows that Honda has got out of the limbo yeah. they were so far. You know, uh, uh, how do you say? Like we say in uh, Spain, one bird doesn't make the spring. Yes. Yeah. yeah and, exactly. Understanding that you need exactly. But he so, wins on the trot. Mm, yeah. No, Marquez, Marquez was fantastic. Marquez was amazing. Oh, yeah. He crashed again 
I think twice in practice, mm -hmm. once again, and on Sunday he was there. And the, for me, the interesting thing is that we have seen the new Marquez, how he wins the new style. Yes. Look, the old Marquez, he would, do you think he would have stayed 20 laps behind, behind Beko Banyaya? Never, mm. ever. He stayed 20 laps because yep. the race was 27 laps. Super Jack Miller crashed in the third lap. Yep, three. And Peko Banyaya crashed in the 23rd lap. So it, he, he was 20 laps behind. And I tell you yep. something. If you look at the at the lap-by-lap uh, lap sheet of the race, mm -hmm. you see for, uh, for 17 laps, no, yeah, 80 laps, for 80 laps, the gap between Marquez and Banyaya was oscillating between one-tenth and three-tenths. Yep, it was sitting there about 0.2 just all the time. Yeah, one, it, yeah, point 0.2. He's just sitting behind him. That's all he was doing. He could have had a go at any time. And you're exactly right. Old Mark would have just gone, get out of my way. I'm, I'm just going to go. He would have just got over him, you know, just yep, yep. and then look, if you look at these uh, papers, you will see uh, lap until lap 20, the gap was one, one between one and three tenths. Mm -hmm. Lap 21, Marquez starts to slow down. Right. Yep. And the, the, the lap grows to six tenths. Mm hmm. In lap 23, which is the lap when uh, Peko crashes, in sector three, he was already eight. Whoa. Ah, Wait. right. So Peko was he... trying to push. No, I thought this as well. What happened yeah. is that Mark slowed down. Oh, okay, so he's managing his tires. Is that, that, is that what he's doing? He's yeah, just, well, he's I just don't riding the bike. Was, he was physically, and he said, Today, everything got in line for me because yep. Peko crashed exactly when I gave up. Ah, well, which is funny because when you were talking before, I was like, he's riding so smart and he's adapted with his injury and he's doing that. Yep. So wow. he said, I had, I had given up and, and Peko kept the same pace. Yep. And crashed. And crashed. Incredible, eh? And and I was I was hearing as well that some of the commentators were saying that halfway through the race, round about their lap 20, 21 or something, there was a, a temperature change, like it cooled down by five or six degrees. And so the they were saying that the track cooled down and so the hard tire mm -hmm. just cooled down by by that yeah. that amount. And that could have been why Peko trying to maintain the same pace on a hard tire that on a colder surface just lost the front. Yeah, look, this this uh, detail I didn't know, but I tell you something. Exactly, look, the, there are riders. One of the key points for a rider to see the maturity of the rider, which Jack has mm -hmm. not, by the way, oh. is to understand where is the limit and accept the limit. Mm. For example, apart from this race, a guy who understands very well what is the most he can do the, this, the day, that day is Juan Mir. He never crashes. I, yeah. Apart from here. Rins is the other side. Quartararo, the same. This year he has accepted doing eighth in Aragon. Mm -hmm. 
yep. doing 13th in Jerez. Mm -hmm. You know, this maturity to say, okay, today is the day to do sixth is the maximum. Yeah, exactly. But that's, that's what world champions do. And there are not that many. Mm -hmm. You know, for example, Jack is completely the opposite. Oh, yeah. I, I thought for a while there that he had matured and he had learned that, that valuable little piece. And it seemed there was a few races there, you know, sort of last year and the beginning of this year where it seemed like he'd learned that. And, and he, we heard some comments from, oh, eighth was the best we could do today, blah, blah, blah. And I'm thinking, okay, that's fantastic. He's, he's learning his limits and, the, and to feel the limits of the bike. That's great. But then the last few races just he's dropping the ball. Something's there's something off track. It's like there's something off track that's affecting it. Yeah. Um. I, Andrea, just a, a quick point to Jack. I wrote. I had to write a story about Jack on Sunday night hmm. here in the in this press room. That wouldn't have taken and, too long. You know, I compared him. You know about cycling, right? Yeah. Cycling. There are the guys who are sprinters. Sprinters, mm -hmm. yep, and the, the yeah, the one who are yeah. good, in, and this is the figure of of Jack. A sprinter will never win Tour de France of or one of these three week races. Yep, but when the, they come to a sprint, they are strong. Mm -hmm. Jack is in motorcycle racing what a sprinter is in cycling. Yeah, from my point of view, you know, if you what, yeah, if you if you ever want to be near the front in a MotoGP race. Sit behind Jack Miller for the first five laps. <laughs> you'll, you'll be guaranteed to be in the top five after five laps. Yeah, and, and there are races that, because of how they uh, evolve, are there is a sprint at the end. And there, Jack is good. The problem is that yeah. he is not consistent. Mm -hmm. Exactly, exactly. And, and who knows? Time may tell. He may iron that out. He may learn that lesson. Who knows? I've been seeing reports this week as well um, in various bits of social media and whatnot about how people are saying that Ducati now have the perfect team with Jack Miller and uh, and Pecco, which I, I found to be interesting. Who said that? Look, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Who, who said that? Just because the teammates are both fast, competitive, but they're, when we talk about teammate dynamics – they're also very friendly and very close to one another as well. So they have, while they're rivals on track, they both like each other and they enjoy each other's company and they help each other out. Do you think that could be a, um, like a, a help for Ducati moving forwards in future years? Look, we see here, this is the qualifying front row, right? Mm -hmm. This yep. was the ideal Ducati situation. One, yes. two, three. Yep. Oh, the three Ducatis. I can't believe Luca was... Luca Marini. I can't Luca. say that name without an Italian accent. How can you say? <laughs> you can't. You can't do it. I defy anybody to say Luca Marini. I don't think I could do it. Accent. I don't think I could do it. <laughs> Sorry, carry on. So, look, the, uh, um, he's lost his train of thought now. No, 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 no. It was no. your accent. You threw him off. No, 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 no. Look, uh, when, when had Yamaha their best moments? When two guys in the garage wanted to beat, it, beat, it, beat each other. Valentino mm. Rossi and Jorge Lorenzo. Mm -hmm. And they won championship one behind another. Bam, bam, yes. bam, bam. Yes. Yep. So for a team, if the manager is uh, good enough to handle this, the bigger the rivality, 
or rivalry. Rivalry. The rivalry, the better for the team. Because as good as pushes, Italian. very true. One pushes true. the other. Yep, you know? yep, yep. It does. So so yeah, realistically, I suppose as you as you say, as well as the two riders having a healthy rivalry, it very much comes down to the management of the team, doesn't it? Of course. If they are not capable to manage the situation, this is yeah. uh, to have somebody pushing you is the best way to, to grow. I think so. Mm -hmm. This think is so. clear. And this is if great. this person is sitting on your side, more. Yeah. But see a healthy competition rather than someone you don't like, you're going to be able to be more focused and um, yeah, but what you in racing, the word healthy. Oh, no, I mean, like, you know, you say, like, Peko and Jack respect each other and like each other, so they're going to compete still to win. But then you look at two riders that, say, Jack there Miller are, Jack Miller and Mia, they're yeah, going to be more angry and, and that it's going to cloud their focus with that anger. Yeah, exactly. And, Andra, in 2019, Ducati built up a team and their strategy was, we are putting together two friends in the team. That was Dovizioso and Petrucci. Mm -hmm. At the start of the season, Petrucci was, he's like my elder brother. I admire him very much. I go training with him motocross. Yep. When Petrucci beat Dovizioso in Mugello, this uh, brotherhood finished immediately. Yep. <laughs> oh, for sure. Yep. <laughs> It yep. works when one is the tough guy and the other one is like the one who is mm. up, uh, learning. Whipping boy. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Um, so, okay. So the other guy I wanted to talk about, the other big thing on the weekend that I wanted to talk about is this guy. Top 10. This Valentino. guy. Who's that? Uh, just some random Italian dude. I don't know. I think <laughs> I think he's raced a couple of races. I was like, dude, who got that helmet? You see that picture oh my of that guy? God, that who was got amazing. That, like, that thing's going to go for millions. For our listeners. We yeah, yeah. Probably it will be now be, uh, how do you say, in an auction somewhere. On eBay. <laughs> On eBay. Sotheby's. No, eBay, no. Sotheby's. It's Sotheby's. <laughs> yeah. Forza Valley. Yeah. But we were saying before, I was so excited. I was like, Valentino finished top 10. But then Manuel burst our bubble by saying only 15 people finished only the race. People. But that, well, doesn't, okay. that doesn't change it. You know what? If I could go and do a random track day and finish in front of five MotoGP riders, I'd be happy. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's all he's yep. doing. At this point, he's just doing a farewell tour. He's yep. pretty much riding Your around doing monos brilliant. and waving at the crowd. Yeah, we we did a uh, we all journalists uh, did a T-shirt. Yeah, for this weekend with the forty-six, and it says "Thank you, Vale." So That's at a certain it. point Aww. on Saturday, we went down to the pit lane and we did a photo with him. Nice. And knowing Vale, he was very nice, but he was with his balls completely full, you know. Yeah. And he said. This weekend, I would need a, how do you say, Sosha? A guy that looks like him? A double. How do you say? A double? Mm -hmm. Because he had so many photos to take, so yes. many events, yeah, so many. A, he, he was like, 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> had enough. I want to go ride you know, the motorcycle. It, Leave me alone. <laughs> you know, yeah, and here and that. And everybody obviously wanted the best of him and yep. showed respect, showed admiration. But hey, at a certain point, enough yeah. is enough. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. He's going out good. Um, did you want to say anything else about him? Because I was going to talk about a team. I I know. I just want to go quickly back to uh, Marcus on the top of the podium. Mm-hmm. The whole circuit, sixty-three thousand <gasps> people booed. booing, and and that was terrible. Yeah, and I tell on. you, every every minute, Mark was happier to have uh, ruined. <laughs> he loved it. He loved it, and this was one of his dreams <laughs> to ruin. Oh my to, god! Uh, to ruin Valentino's Rossi farewell oh, in the sun. No. That's brilliant. So I was like, I can't believe they're booing him that bad. Yeah, they're booing. <laughs> and imagine on the top saying, okay, you can boo. Yeah, bring but it on. The one who is here, yeah. am I? You know? That's yeah. a strong and- character to have thousands of people. But that's booing Marquez. You. That's that's Marquez. Yeah, yeah, yeah but exactly. I am so sure that he was feeling better than ever up there. And not because he won. See, because he he just ruined the the party of uh, mm-hmm. of Valentino, you know. But realistically, nothing else was ever going to happen. Like Valley was never going to get on the podium, realistically, in that race. Yeah, but another could have won. Imagine if Peko had Any, won, it would. I yeah. suppose, yeah. That that's probably that for me is probably why they were booing was because Peko didn't win. But realistically, Mark had nothing to do with that. You know, he. It's yeah, that's right. Oh, but I think whole... I think the biggest story is this guy on the podium on a two-year-old bike. Again. Again, exactly. And now there's media reports of him going, um, that the, the media are saying to him, so are you going to get a GP22 next year? And he's like, well, I wasn't going to, but after this podium, I'm going to go back to Ducati and see if I can get a GP22 for next year. Yeah, well, if Gigi thinks that he has a future, Dalinha, he will give him he a should. 2023 mm-hmm. bike next exactly. year. Exactly. You know? <laughs> Yeah, you give him a so, rocket ship. Like the good thing of Enea is that uh, there isn't a surprise anymore. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. he has done I think six position third, and then another six, and now third. So mm-hmm. there is not surprise anymore. We have to start to trust uh, in uh, Bastianini. He's doing yeah. very well. Yep. He's doing pretty well. Uh, he likes especially Misano. We will see what mm. is happening in the next uh, races, but he's he certainly has gained his status this year. Yeah, mm. indeed he has. Um, just just quickly, I wanted to I wanted to have a quick chat about these guys. Like yeah, that's what I was going to bring up. Yeah, go go for it, Andrew. <laughs> no, I was first going to say Mir got his double long lap penalty for jumping the start. Um, what a goose! Yeah, is it true that David Abrivio is looking at coming back? Is that true, Manuel? Uh, what have you heard? I don't know. I, yesterday I flew with the team coordinator of Suzuki from Bologna here to Madrid, mm-hmm. and he didn't know. What everybody knows is that uh, Brivio in uh, F1 is like a fish out of the pot. He's you know? not doing well. Bring him home. Bring him they home. They ignore yep. him. They ignore him. He's not, yeah. nobody knows which his role is there. Yeah. Yeah. Because he was put in that team straight by uh, De Meo, who is the CEO of Renault. Yeah. So 
not knowing what he does, it's like he see the ears and the eyes of the male, like you know, he's inspiring exactly. us, uh -huh. he's informing the boss mm -hmm. what is happening. So his situation is not very clear. Okay, and uh, if he would return, I don't know. In Suzuki, they would accept him with the arms open, you know? Yeah, sure. They'd be crazy not to. They are, but the situation there is Mir would like the championship to finish uh, today. Yeah. You know, he, yeah. because he's doing so bad and he's so demotivated. You know, look here, we can see in the back where the bike finished when mm -hmm. he crashed. Yeah, and it crazy. hit a cameraman. It hit a cameraman yeah. who was there. Yeah. That's so, crazy. So, uh, in the team, the atmosphere is completely the opposite as last year. You know, last year, everything was calm, uh, no discussion, no mm -hmm. argues. Every, everyone trusted the other one. In one year, things in it's racing gone. is like this. You know? It is. You're right. Year to year, things do change like that. It's gone. It's gone very bad, very quickly. And as you say, uh, we, we've spoken about this before, haven't we, Manuel? With a team, the size and the budget of Suzuki, they can't afford to have these big, big changes and, and big dips in performance. They need to maintain continuity because they don't have a big budget to be able to react when things change. They, uh, yeah, they, uh, they, they uh, need uh, continuity. The, the guys of Suzuki they said to me, look, look the sentence, how interesting. He said, if you look at our bikes, it looks like a street bike. Yeah. He said, the, the Suzuki engineers, look at this, said by somebody inside the garage, said the Suzuki engineers still think that the bike is an engine, a frame, and a swinger. Mm. And they say, and it's long time since it isn't it uh, like this anymore. Yep. Yep. Exactly. They've got the yeah. They've, they've clearly got the wrong team working on that bike. But well, hey Petrucci, hey 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 Petrucci, let me tell you something funny. Petrucci is uh, the nicest guy of the twenty-two guys on the grid. Clearly, he, <laughs> he's he's like a big kid, you know. Mm -hmm. You know that uh, today is Tuesday? No. Yeah. yeah Tuesday. Tomorrow, tomorrow he will be in Dubai. Okay. Because he will start to train for the Paris-Dakar. Oh, geez. Really? Huh. In the factory, KTM factory team. Are you serious? So, yeah. And he will do 4,000 Ks until the Portuguese Grand Prix training or yeah practicing oh. with the big bikes because he will race he will start the dakar race edra which is a two weeks race in the desert i don't yeah. know if you know it yeah, yeah 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 and the race will start on january the first and he has oh. just look i know a lot of uh, riders who normally race in dakar mm -hmm. and all of them all of them have told me look he has not time enough to get in one of these races that are pretty dangerous. Yeah. But it seems that he's completely committed to do it because he, it he, has, raced, he has raced in motocross, he has raced in enduro. 
Yep. And it's funny because he said, here in Grand Prix, I am old and big. <laughs> in Dakar, I am thin and young because yep. there are people that weigh 100 kilos. Yeah, exactly. That's right. Yeah. Wow. Picked up on that straight away. Nice. Okay. That's um, why I hang out with older people. Uh, one question. Sorry, so I, want to do, I want to do one question to you. Yeah. Do you think that Fabio, or would you like that Fabio Quartararo uses number one on his bike? Yes. Definitely. 100%. Yes. Absolutely. Is yep. he going to? I don't know. But well, could he do it from next race or would it have to be a new season? No, no, it has to be next year. Okay. But lo looking at Mir, I just thought about this when I'm seeing Mir's number one on his leather. On his but leather, it was yeah. on the bike. Look, and I think we have uh, spoken about this. Do you think it's the same for the team members when they see in the garage two bikes with the 36 than when they each day see the two bikes with the number one? I, I, I would think so. I, I for, for me, if I was turning up there every day and I saw number one on there, that would be an extra little in my heart. Well, think would, of how it would it, maybe it could have affected me this year because remember we had all this anticipation going, is he doing it? Is it doing it? Would that have made a difference to his season? No, but kind of... it's a it's a undercover motivation that probably yeah, yes. you don't realize, but you see, oh, oh number one, oh, oh mm -hmm. number one. And it's the same. You know, I, I think I have told you the same, same thing. Yeah, the, the famous sentence of Casey Stoner. He said, number one should be an obligation for the championship. Why not? Yep. He said, for anybody in any circuit in the world, know who is the champion. Mm -hmm. yep. If they look, if they look to the grid, wow, that's, number that's one. A, that's a really good point. You imagine as a as a grown up taking your child to their first as a grown race, up as a grown up. That's what I'm saying. Well, yeah, take taking your child mm -hmm. to their first race, and then having that child stand there in the grandstanding and look up at you and go, "Daddy" or "Mummy" or whatever, or you know, um, transgender. Lifestyle <laughs> partner, whatever. Parent. Put, yeah, parent, non-denominational parent. <laughs> who's who's the best rider? And you can just go look at the numbers. Number one, mate. Daughter. Yeah, no, a kid. Yeah, that, a that's kid, it. If he if he looks Number at one, the bang. grid, a kid or a, a teenager who is not into racing, if he looks at the grid and see the number one, he knows you know, who's the best. Exactly. Number one. Yep. Number yeah. one is number one. <laughs> You know, on the music list, who the number one of this week on the mm -hmm. the number everyone knows what means being the number one. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Who is number thirty-six? Come on, 30, the thirty-six best guy. I don't know. Yeah, there's thirty-five yeah. guys that are better than him, apparently. <laughs> and I tell you something more: they are all obsessed uh, with selling t-shirts, and the only one who sells t-shirt is number forty-six. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Exactly. I, I wonder how many number 36 has sold John Mead. How many numbers, even 93, doesn't sell T-shirt? Even him. You, exactly. I'll tell you now. On oh, because he's number weekend, 93. He's way. <laughs> yeah. But no, but going to Phillip Island every year for the last couple of decades, you can you can guarantee when you when you stand anywhere near the T-shirt the stands, number 46 is walking out the door. It's going, it's going. For every five number 46 pieces of merchandise there might be one number 93 
No, you are you know, very generous. I would say yeah. every 50. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, you've, you've, yeah, but in, in there, you've also got a bunch of people going, getting the number 69, getting Nicky Hayden, getting a, you know, get, getting a 53 or get, getting some other ones, you know. But, but that, that's, that's what happens, indeed. Okay, look, let's, let's move forward. We've, is there any other specific points that you want to talk about, Manuel, as far as MotoGP goes? Or can we move to the... No, I, am, I just very, very quickly saying that uh, having closing Quartararo the championship, the next races will be super uh, interesting because they will race just for racing. You know, that, that will yes. be, uh, how do you say? Yeah, Quartararo will give it all. Exactly. Marquez will give it all. Yep. You know, and, and, and remember that last race in uh, Portimao, Quartararo won with the biggest gap that had happened has happened this season. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Eight mm-hmm. point something second. It was Marquez's first race, uh, his comeback. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm sure Marquez wants to, how do you say, we have something to solve here. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, exactly. All right. Modo two, Modo two, Modo two. These guys. <laughs> oh my god. Oh my god. I, I I was watching that race. That was edge of the seat stuff. You I know, was, I was doing maths in my head and everything. I was going, how many points ahead is he? Um, and it's one of those. Um, it's, it's like when you watch it, and I don't really watch football, but say if you go to watch a sport and you think I'm going to go for this team, so I go, oh, Remy's Australian. I'm going for Remy, but then my heart starts to go. Oh no! Come on, Raúl. It's such a bloody mess. And yeah, I was really, really. What I messaged. Oh I messaged a few people because I was so interested to see how Remy was going to handle the race because he started back yep. a bit, and I was just like, "Yeah, we've seen him grow and mature over the last year, mm. two seasons, really." I was yep. so so keen to see if he could keep his shit together, and he had a. He's very, he is the luckiest bloke, I think, on the weekend because he had his long lap penalty, didn't lose a spot. Um, what else happened? There was, he got some, what was there? I've got tire choice was a bit iffy. Oh, tire choice was terrible for both of them. They went for, they went for a hard front. Like there was all these yeah. things that was like, just. What were they thinking? They, they mm-hmm. the entire, both of them, the KTM yeah, team, they went for a hard front. Idiots. Yeah, but still, they have to do the same. If one does this, the other one has to do the mm-hmm. same. Especially uh, Raul, who was catching up. So Raul has to do the same that his teammate because yep. it, they have to start exactly with the same conditions. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. But even when when Ra- Raul crashed, I I tra- went back to watch it and I can't work out what happened. Did his tire lock up or there was something? I don't know if it was his error. He's okay. Okay, so I've I've had a good look at it a couple of times, and realistically. I think what's happened is he's basically, he's grabbed the front brake too hard and he's locked uh. the front brake and he's done it too late into the corner. So he's, he's grabbed too much front brake. Normally, if you have a little front brake lockup, you'll be okay if you're going in a straight line. That's fine. But because he's hit the brake so late and so hard, he's hit the front brake as he's just started to change his body weight. And the whole front end of the bike's just gone straight oh, down. Yeah, that—that's what he's done. It's just—it's just gripped and and bitten. Um, I think I don't normally enjoy listening to the Fox Sports guys, but Kev McGee 
was talking about it on the weekend and Kev McGee, MotoGP racer from way back, he knows what he's talking about. And he was saying, yeah, those, those carbon brakes in those conditions, if you, um, if, if you try to grab a little bit too much, that initial bite will get you by surprise sometimes. And we think he's just had too much bite. Yeah, it was immediately after he got into the lead. Yeah. Immediately. Mm. Yep. He didn't, you know, he didn't uh, cross the the finish line once leading the race. So he was probably overexcited, you know? Yeah. Now I'm oh, in the front. Absolutely. Yep. And now wow. his mentality was, was he's probably going to go try and push for a gap. He wanted to try and break the people behind him. Mm-hmm. And what I was impressed, did you see the, the speed? He was like twisting, you know? It was yeah. like a washing machine when they yes. got to the I was thinking in his brain inside his head, you know. <laughs> I was thinking this guy is stuffed. I thought he was going to break something again. Here we go. That, that's that. Oh, my, that's the way there. he tucked, he tucked the, in. I, th- I thought he was absolutely stuffed. I thought, well, there's a world championship because he's not going to race for the rest of the year. But then in the interview afterwards, he was very quick to say to the interviewer, I'm fine. I'm perfectly fine. Let's go. Let's move forwards. Oh. I don't know what happened, but I know I made a mistake. So let's move forwards. Mm-hmm. That was impressive for me. Yeah, yep. that was a big. And that race was so strange because uh, the one who won, Sam, did so many mistakes. He gave race. me oh a couple God. of heart attacks. How, there was one he nearly high-sided. And he it was, was out of control. Like, yeah. He was, was out Sam. of control. Old yeah, Sam. exactly. Yeah, and this... Um, makes tell tells me or t- takes me to ask you if a guy doing so many mistakes win the race mm. uh-huh. is the level so low in the callas i was thinking so, yep yeah, i was thinking the same i thing. like the pun you did there manuel <laughs> you said the what so, you said it was so low so low sam low so low uh, no yeah because uh, okay so is sam raul Lowe's. Is Raul's really so good rider, or is the l- level of the category low? You know, you gonna, know what, what I mean. I think that Sam was lucky that he didn't stack it with all the mistakes he made. And another sign, another signal, signal. Yep, yep. Indication. Yep. Indication. Who finished second? A guy who did a long lap. Yeah, Augusto. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So again. He's been... Which is the level of the of the category? Augusto, yeah. right? He's a bloody good rider. He's he's been standing out for most of the yeah, season, though. Yeah, but he, he has. Rider. He's been. He is a very good rider, but he's been on and off for the last. How long has he been in Moto Two, Manuel? Yeah, five long, years, long. four years. Yeah. This oh, okay. the, the thing with with uh, Augusto is that he has missed this year. He started at the beginning of the year. Calix had two different chassis. Mm. Okay. Most of them choose one. He did. He wanted to go his own way. In the middle of the season, finally, the team decided, okay, this doesn't work. The more we insist in setting it, but they switched to the one everyone uses. Yep. So it took him a couple of Grand Prix to settle the bike. Mm-hmm. While the others had settled it in the first part of the season, so, he's so behind he, straight away. Yeah, once he got, he started to do results, and this is the the Augusto we are looking at. But so today, 
because he's moving to a Kyoto team, right? Yes, and this is another mistake in my point of view because last year he was in Team Pons. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. He was in Mark VDS. Next year is he goes. We spoke about this. He's yeah, he's been in a different team every year. Continuity. Yeah. But then, how old is he? Is he youngish still? Not not too young. He will be, I think, in the middle age. Mm -hmm. yeah, he late, went late twenties, isn't he? Yeah. So in the Kyo team. Sorry, sorry. He has the yeah. same age as Joan Mir because they are. They went together to Jorge Lorenzo's father's school. That's right. Uh -huh, right. That's right. Yes. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I know obviously he's moved around a lot, but if he's going to have like a really good team and support and stability and guidance with the Akiyo team, do you, what do you think we'll see, Manuel? Well, he goes there to settle a bit? championship. It's like his last chance. There, yeah. everyone who goes to that team has to fight for the championship. Mm -hmm. Everyone. Yep. Oh, you have to. Exactly. Yeah. It's sometimes, like... sometimes you have to fight really, really hard and stuff it up the inside of some some random some cat chandra guy that was that was not pretty oh my god yeah what was that i again i sat there and i was like that wasn't remy's fault because <laughs> i'm such yeah, a yeah 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 open your other because, eyes yeah. because <laughs> he he was in front and he didn't seem to cut his line he he came in a bit and kind of had to correct and fell was it what do you yeah, got? What, no, what, he, I'm curious. He, what you he, think. he basically, it was 100% Remy's fault, 100%. Oh, yeah. He just pushed the other rider out. So okay. it was the penalty was an Long obligation. Yeah. 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 That, that's fair enough. Um, Kinnett made me laugh too. <laughs> Walker, he ran out of fuel. He ran out of fuel on that. He was going to, was it? He was coming second. No, sorry, third. Second, yeah. second, second, and and second. lost it on that last corner. And we're like, "What are you doing?" He'd run out of he was running out of fuel, and the bike was starting to cut the out on the last burp, lap. Burp, burp. Yeah, that was no crazy. wonder he was so angry. Did did you do you know what happened between Augusto and Canet in practice? No, no. Do you? O sea, you after the race, I spoke with Augusto, and I asked him how much horsepower extra give did the angry. You you uh, were with Canet because he's an angry ant, isn't he? Oh, he is. Yeah. <laughs> In the practice, uh, Canet was three or four laps behind Augusto, looking for the lap time. Then yeah. he overtook Augusto, and after he went to the race direction, saying that Augusto had uh, slowed down on purpose to. Oh, and Augusto right. got penalized with the long lap because of this. Really? Is that why he had a long lap in the race? Oh, yes, my God. because Canet Saturday uh, <laughs> went against him. No so way. Augusto, so Augusto went out in the race with, uh, you know, he just saw Canet in front of him. Canet, yeah. Canet, Canet, Canet. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to steal his fuel. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> So uh, I tell you something, there was a general thinking or somebody, yeah, general thinking after race that the fuel didn't run out. That <laughs> <laughs> right. he just got overtaken. Right. He just got done. Yes. And in yep. Augusto, imagine Augusto, how he felt after the race, you know? Oh, like, yes. 50 feet tall. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and, and the good thing is that the other was sitting in the press conference there. So 
if Canet had finished fourth, the satisfaction would not have been that mm-hmm. big. You yeah, know? exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, just, oh, that that was a, that's karma. That's karma. Yeah, that's brilliant. That's great. Oh, fantastic. Oh, wow. Okay. And then we go to Moto3. Manuel, oh I'm proud of you. Yeah. <laughs> I was waiting for you to just go, okay, we're done. We know it's your favorite. Oh, it Neil, is. It's getting so interesting. Neil, so Mor- interesting. Neil Morrison would be proud of you. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I went for I went to dinner with Neil. Yeah. In Misano and three Italian uh, journalists. Yeah. Cool. And we have had here Neil and his, as you know, he's a very serious guy. Yeah, that's a right. very <laughs> Irish serious person. Yeah. So at the end, he was laughing. He didn't understand the word in Italian, but he <laughs> was laughing, drinking, yeah. eating pasta. He's like... <laughs> Irish. Is he Irish? Love it. Brilliant. And, and after the dinner, he said, Hey, today we have had fun. I said, Of course, we are in Italy. <laughs> Bless him. Oh, fantastic! What cool. happened in Moto Three? What's worth Moto3. talking about? Oh my God! Why was it caught? Uh, was um, what's not worth talking about? Pedro was Acosta. It, was he cracking the shits because he didn't win? I'm I'm not seeing. He's been. We've talked about how mature he is and how grounded he is for a young guy. But he, I don't know what was going on there on the podium. He was not very happy, and I was. I'm not sure why. Can you help I, me out? Yeah, <laughs> it's. <laughs> Pressure is the version of uh, the pressure, the pressure, the pressure. Mm, and yeah. being 16, being, if you yeah. are 25, you handle the pressure. Yeah, if you as, are 16. Exactly. As we said at the beginning. Uh, uh, yeah. Yeah, like, like five or six races in, he was 80 points clear in the World Championship. And it would have been a case of, in his, in his head and in the team, it would have been, yes, look, you're, you're going to win the World Championship this year, and next year you're going to be in Moto2, and then in two years' time, you're going to be in MotoGP and your career path is set. That's fantastic. And at the beginning of the year, he would have been, yeah, this is this is awesome. It's good. Mm-hmm. Now, towards the end of the year, reality is hit in and Dennis Foggia is beating him every single race. And his lead is cut to 21 points. And he is more and more and more and more pressure. And as Manuel says, he's only 16 years old. He's not equipped to deal with this pressure yet. Yeah. And so he's, he's Look, having uh, to learn how to deal with it. The guy who won, I think, the first three races of the year and impressed all of us, mm-hmm. all of the other MotoGP riders, I think since the summer break, he has done one podium. Yeah. Yep. Ah. Yep. In, in English, Manuel, we have a saying, um, and it comes from snooker or pool. Yeah. yeah. So when you when you finish a game of snooker or pool, you say um, you put the cue in the rack. So the cue, snooker cue. Yeah, yeah. And you put it in a rack. Yeah. So the say yeah. So the saying comes from when you have a big break in snooker and your opponent can't win. There may be balls left, but there's not a put enough points left to win. So you put the cue in the rack and you're happy because you know you've won. Okay. So that's what he's done. Like he's Fabio put the, last yes. year. Yep. Exactly. He's put the cue in the rack. Before, uh, too Before early. Before the end. Thank exactly. you for explaining too that, early. Stu. That was exactly. beautiful. That was yeah, explained yeah. beautifully. Sorry, I, just, I, I know we have lots of people from all over the world that might no, not, not understand you. these sayings. I'm teasing you. So, yeah. So, yeah, Andrew. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's, that's right. But, but no, you're right. But that's mm. what he's done. But he's done that too early. 
realistically. Mm -hmm. He really has. He's he's tried to relax. And as no, you said, and you know, yeah. you know what happened. And even more if you are a teenager, if you start to hear you are how good you are, yeah. you are the future, you are the new markets, who, who mm -hmm. with 16 can digest something like this? Yeah, exactly. Yep. Nobody. But he's, so has he still, I can't remember what the points are now for, he's still got 21 points in the lead. So 21. why? Why he, he will probably win the world championship? He's, so why? So what was he upset about? Because he because there's he pressure, win? it's the perception of pressure. Yes, yeah, he didn't win. Um, his main rival got closer to him than he was before. He's still got good points. He still rode well. You he, think? Yeah, think about but, it from his point of view, that he just needs mm. one DNF. There's still two races left. He has one DNF. He yeah. just falls falls off. Yeah. And the other guy is. I guess the pressure moves to that next race instead of say winning this weekend and then, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Look, look, the pressure. The one who is leading has always the pressure. The yep. one who is coming, he has he has nothing to lose. Yep. He, he has, has only to gain. Mm. Yep. The one who is in the front has a lot to lose. What is happening? Like Moto Two, like Moto Two, <laughs> Moto 2 like Moto Three. Mm -hmm. yep. Yeah. Okay. Exactly, mm. exactly. So I think that that's that's realistically that that's it for me. The story of of MotoGP in 2021, when you look at the last couple of weeks, it's going to be all about Moto2 and Moto3. You know, obviously, yes. the MotoGP is is done and won. Those races, as you say, Manuel, they're going to be interesting over the next few weeks at Portimao and at Valencia. It's going to be very interesting because Fabio's got no pressure now. He can do what he wants. And so we're going to see real Fabio. We're just going to see true racing. Um, but Moto2, Moto3. Moto2 is going to be oh. mental. It's going to be interesting. Yes. Perfecto. Mental. Yes. Mental. <laughs> mental. Who? Who? Oh, what do you predict? Who wins? Well, I, I'm, I'm actually going to put my money on Raul. No, I'm, I'm going to stick with Remy. No, I'm going to, yeah, exactly. I'm, I'm sticking with Remy only, only because... I hope, I, I hope, awesome. I hope, yeah. I hope, but I'm, I'm just, I don't like to follow. By the that. way, by the way, let me tell you something about Raúl. Mm -hmm. Last time we spoke, he was twenty. Um, <laughs> no, 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 no. Sorry, a bit stupid. Did he, he have was a He was confirmed as KTM MotoGP rider for next yes. season. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah, but things can change. What? Manuel. Really? Uh, Manuel. Uh, Don't do that. In what are you talking okay, about? Okay. We're going to have to watch I, I told you how a podcast to get this, this scoop. I did. Uh, I, I worked like a rat in the paddock of Misano. <laughs> so the situation is the following. There is, again, the door open uh, for Raul going to Yamaha next year. Oh <gasps> my God. But absolutely, look, if I, if I let you guess 10 times, how will it happen? I can let you guess 10 times. You will never get to the real situation. Never. We can make so, shit up. <laughs> hang on, we've got Morbidel and Cordoraro, and then we've got Darren Bender and... Dovi in the other team. I can't see. I no. I can't see where he's going to go. 
Yeah, because you're looking at you are looking at, at the wrong team. We are 46 at the wrong category. What? World Superbikes. What are you talking about? He's going to be partnered with no. Top Rank and World Superbikes. No, no, look at <laughs> this is good, Stu. This I would never have imagined. <laughs> not in MotoGP. <laughs> That'd be cool. You're saying not no. in MotoGP. Not in MotoGP. The story is the following. Why would you? Why would you not go in mo? No, wash your mouth out. Why would you choose something outside of MotoGP? Stu, wash your mouth out. Because, because, <laughs> as Stu said, the four uh, bikes, Yamaha bikes, are mm -hmm. have a rider, have an owner for next year. But he can yeah. ride for a great team in MotoGP. <laughs> how many, how many tries? How many tries did you do already? I think more than ten. Okay. We all know I've got no idea. So come on, Manuel. Just give it to us. Okay. Uh, one, one of the conditions, Raúl put on the table of KTM when he signed was that his brother would be next year in a strong KTM team in Moto Three. Okay. Aww. This has not only happened, but he has been sucked from the team he he has raced this year. So oh, Adrian. Is, Adrian has yep. no bike for next year. Yep. And Raul feels treated by KTM. Yep. Raul, I would say his family, his, his father, yeah. basically. So he feels a bit so, betrayed. Mm -hmm. Betrayed. Betrayed is the word. Exactly. Betrayed. So uh, eh, they moved again towards Yamaha. Yeah. And look the situation. Now comes the real key of the story. Raul has a big clause if he leaves KTM to go to another team. MotoGP team. In MotoGP. <gasps> oh. Oh. So, he, so he can go to any uh, another category. No, no, no. no let, let me continue. Let me in MotoGP then. A pause of silence. Dun, 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 dun. You have to put music here. Bam, 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 bam. Bam, bam, bam. But the fee, if he moves from KTM to another team in Moto2, is very short. He wants to stay in Moto2. Fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, hang on. He doesn't want. This is the situation. I tell you the situation. Okay. He can't move. He can't leave KTM to any other team in MotoGP because yeah. the, the penalty he has to pay is huge. Too high. The, the penalty he has to pay if he moves from the KTM team to any other team in Moto2 is small. Yeah. Pale. pale. Wow. What has somebody, somebody offered him? We put you in our new Moto2 team called VR46. I said VR46. No way. And we guarantee you the factory, the Ovizioso factory bike the year in 2023. Oh, wow. Oh, my God. What about, what about Adrian? What about his brother? Does he get looked after know, in this? Look, this is team in Moto3. They will put in somewhere. So, if I were KTM, obviously I would put immediately Adrian in a whatever. Yeah, yeah, whatever. <laughs> I you want. kick out. Yeah, yeah. Well, whatever. 
What's that? You want him on a rocket ship to the moon? He's there. He's done. <laughs> and I think this is what will happen at the end. Because or, it's, huh? KTM it's a, will just fold. It's a simple way to solve a super mm. uncomfortable situation. But wow. the relationship between Raul and KTM has already deteriorated a lot because it's, it's not the so first right. time. Because yeah. you, and you, you know, hear about this being such a family, positive relationship, lovey-dovey, la-da-da. Don't you listen like to Manuel Stu? <laughs> so, no, 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 but that's what you hear about with KTM. Yeah. That's yeah, the yeah, image yeah. they try to yeah. put forward. Yeah, yeah, but, this, but, you know, KTM is how it is. KTM is you are or with us Business. or against us. Yeah. So, Raul... You know that uh, in the past he was uh, a spar team rider, mm -hmm. and he left the team the same way, and he had to pay a penalty. Ah. He moved from a spar to Akiajo, mm -hmm. paying a penalty to leave that team because he broke the contract. Right. So it's. Uh, so he knows what he's doing. Yeah, I, I mean, he. When we speak, he. With 20, probably this decision is not his, as we can imagine, mm -hmm. no? Yeah, yeah. But this is the situation exactly, and it was in... I went to speak with a certain manager to, to clear if what I had heard was real. Mm -hmm. When I started to explain him, look, I know I, the, 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 the conversations too was the following. I told him, look, I know that uh, Raul has a big clause to that. And then he said, who tells you these things? <laughs> <laughs> and my answer, you know and my, really? uh, my answer was, this is not your problem. Uh, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> so when I finished to, to tell him the story I told you, he kept silent, just looking at me <laughs> for, a, for a while. And then he said, it would be almost impossible. Almost. And then he he turned around and, and started to walk away. And then he stopped, turned around at me and, and looked at me and said, he said, Raul is really very upset. Wow. Oh, my God. So, so he, he, with that sentence, he told me everything, you know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, and Raul has already spoken previously about how much he... Actually, he feels like he doesn't want to leave Moto2 next year. Mm -hmm. he, he wants yeah, the extra year. So this no, might doesn't work. This, is the, so, this well. is the solution, Stu, the solution to get to a Yamaha, which is the bike he said he wanted to ride. Yeah, exactly. So if that happens, who do you think would take his seat with Remy? I don't know. But but look, which is the hurry? He's 20. Hmm. No, yeah, exactly. So why hurry? Mm -hmm. So instead of arriving with 20, he will arrive with 21. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And be yeah. where he wants to be, on the bike he wants to and be on. And being a bike that is world champion with the guy who is mm -hmm. behind you or mm -hmm. on the screen, instead of a bike that is too much yeah. up yeah. and down, too much yep. up and down. Yep. So this is the situation. And probably uh, if I don't return from Portugal after explaining <laughs> this, I will be appearing. You know, we know why. In the sea. It was nice sea. knowing yeah. you, Manuel. Um, <laughs> oh well, considering you've just chucked that one out, have you got any other things to tell us on riders that are going to be getting seats? Because I thought we would have had more announcements by now, but it's been a bit quiet. 
What else no, can I you tell every, us? Everything, everything is, is okay. Ah, did you, do you know, talking about Moto3, that KTM Group will have a fourth brand in Moto3 next year? No, I didn't know about this. Yeah, they have already KTM, they have Husqvarna, mm -hmm. and they have Gas Gas. Gas Gas, mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. So there will be another brand that I think it's called CFM Moto. Uh, CF which Moto. Is, yeah. Huh. Which is Chinese. Chinese brand. Yeah. So okay. because K KTM has this brand in China. Yep. So trying to uh, advertise this brand worldwide. Yep. They will race with a team. With the, it will be the same KTM than the others, but mm -hmm. with a different brand. Yep. I've been seeing a lot of CF Moto stuff coming up in the last sort of 12, 18 months, especially in the last two or three months. They've announced a lot of inclusion in racing teams and new bikes that they're putting out. They're making big moves, those guys. So that, that actually doesn't surprise me. Look, I tell you something. Until now, these CF Motos, they basically, uh, no, they only were built for the local market. With this mm -hmm. move, I would, uh, the other brands know that they are ready to yeah. start to export worldwide. Exactly. We've actually had them here in Australia for the last two years. They've, they've, oh. They've, they, yeah, they, they came over here. They're road legal. Um, they've got some nice looking bikes. And I think they're starting to bring, they've got, uh, I think, an electric racing bike, an electric sports bike that's coming out soon as well. But they've got, oh, a, they've uh, got a nice chassis. It sort of looks like a, like a Yamaha MT-07 kind of a, sports cruiser kind of thing so uh, and behind this brand is uh, stefan peter who is the president of ktm all right okay that explains a lot yeah i thought there were just some random chinese brand but that ties a lot of things together for me wonderful thank you and something more uh gas gas will have in moto 2 a team Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> so K ktm will win the championship with a triumph other. engine, with a triumph engine, with a triumph engine, yeah. Everyone thinks oh, we we know this story, but any normal person will think that the KTM is a KTM. So you know, uh, triumph is mm, uh, giving KTM the title, mm -hmm. and the same will happen with Gas Gas. So they start to promote the brands with the work that is done in Triumph, and nobody really and Triumph gets nothing out of that. Exactly. They, they, that, that's the thing that amazes me in Moto2, realistically. Like, all the bikes have all the same engine. It's an incredible race series, and the bikes are so fast and so reliable. You, you hardly ever see engine, engines blowing up in Moto2. And yet, I don't remember the last time I saw a prominent Triumph marketing logo anywhere. It's crazy. Why is that? Why? why? I don't know. I, I genuinely don't know. Bad, bad marketing professionals? I don't know. Put me in charge of Triumph's marketing department for six months. We'll change that. <laughs> oh. Emmanuel, um, what about Jake Dixon? I know um, there's yes. announcement is meant to Jake, come out. Jake will, raise, hey, Jake will raise with the Gas Gas next year. Here we go with the Aspar team. Which is where he was yeah. before. That's where yes, he was he before. Was before. Okay. He arrived at the... You know that the one who, who introduced Jake in the championship was the uh, track engineer of Joamir. Ah, mm. right. okay. 
cool. So it seems yeah. that he has some kind of to do with his management or something mm-hmm. like this. Yeah, oh, yep. good. I'm glad he's being looked after. Thought he was yeah, going to get messed over for a while there. Yeah, same. I Look, thought he was going to end up in, in British Superbikes or something. So I'm really happy about yeah. that. There, 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 We have also probably our next issue to talk about the arrival of Ducati as Moto E supplier. Ugh, no, no, we don't need to talk about that. <laughs> 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 really? That's, that's crazy. Yeah, from in 2023, the Moto E will be all Ducatis. That feels dirty. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it does. No, but look, the approach <laughs> is so different. It's so. Are they going to put sound effects on the bikes? The the approach is different because so far, electricity we have uh, linked electricity at least in, on bikes with mm-hmm. mobility. Yeah, mobility. Ducati, no. Ducati will start with performance. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I tell you something super interesting. You know that Ducati is part of the Volkswagen group. Yes. So, and the, the company, yeah. the most advanced sports car in with electricity are Porsche. Mm-hmm. With the Taycan and, yeah. So, they... Porsche or will build the engine. Right. For okay. Ducati. For okay. Ducati. So there's, and, there's links there, but but they're gonna have to, I think they're gonna have to work to establish those links for the public so the public can see the path from Ducati to electricity. Yeah, and uh, the Ducati has a plan. Because obviously the question was, do you think that the Ducatisti who are, who are the mm-hmm. Ducati fan will accept something like this? That's, that's he said, well, they, ha- they have to understand that Ducati as a brand is basically uh, linked with performance. Mm-hmm. So our relationship with the electricity will not be mobility to save uh, CO2, no, no, yeah. we will yeah. we, we will launch performance bike. Attention, yep. yep. Our, our replica of the electric Ducati will appear between 2025 and 2030 in that gap, right? So, basically, and what they're will- saying is. To, to to take the next step in performance, like you've you've got things like the you know the twelve ninety nine and the Panigale, that, that kind of thing, that's that's the pinnacle of performance on the road on the street. That's what Ducati is all about. Yes, it has a certain noise about it, but to take the next step in performance, they have to go to electricity. So they have to prove that the electric bike has the performance to then be able to sell the road bikes. So that's a that's a big ask. So it's down to lap times. It's going to come down to lap times, realistically. Yeah, uh, but they basically look. The other day, the Piaggio, Yamaha, Honda, and another brand, and KTM, they signed um, joint venture. Yeah, the, the agreement. Yeah, that the the batteries they will use in their bikes will be exchangeable. Mm-hmm. So you could take a battery from the Yamaha that will work on the KTM. And Ducati didn't sign that agreement. Why? Because they say, we will not launch scooters. 
the smallest uh, capacity bike that actually sends Ducati is a 900cc engine. That is the monster. Yeah. So we are not going yeah, down to start to bike. sell scooters. You know, we are like uh, we are like the Lamborghinis of the cars. Yeah. And therefore, our electricity bike will be performance bike, mm-hmm. not mobility bike. So it has to be a much more dense battery than you're going to get out of these things to get that yeah, performance. Of course they, dense the battery, they, yeah. they have to investigate a lot. And the bikes, he said, the bike has to be lighter than the actual electric bikes. Mm-hmm. And obviously that uh, the distance they can, uh, how do you say the travel? Yeah, yeah. longer than normal. So mm-hmm. they have to invest a lot, but they don't have too much time because 2023 is almost there. So the yeah. bike has to be ready let's say in September or November to do the first test. But yeah. therefore, they have all the Germans in Porsche working for them. Yep. And he said something more. In 2030, 80% of the Porsches will be electric. Oh, my God. That's scary. Then they're going to be hover bikes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> like for me, someone who's a bike and car nut and loves the sound of bikes and cars and I've got a V6 sitting there in the in the wow. garage, you know. It, yeah, it's yeah, it, it's concerning. It is a little concerning. They'll need <laughs> they'll need sound boxes on the side or something. They will. They will indeed. Just a big stereo system, indeed. Wow, that's crazy. Awesome. Okay, like, guys, thank you so much for another incredible week. It's been amazing. As as we always talk about, like MotoGP never fails to to excite. Never fails to surprise. Um, we we saw this coming months away, but that didn't uh, reduce the excitement whatsoever from seeing Fabio Quartararo, FQ20, El Diablo win his first world championship. It's been absolutely incredible. Andrew, before we go, there we go. The El Diablo girl, you got any messages for the... You know how many people, because we live in Australia and, and not a lot of people follow MotoGP, I've had to explain this to so many people every day. They're like, what's that? What's that number? <laughs> no. I've got, I've got a grand near one and people go, well, what's yeah, same. So those people listening, I'm holding up my, my Fabio Quadraro face mask. Manuel looks like he's about to rob a bank <laughs> with his face mask. Face and if he's having a sad day, he can turn it upside down. Exactly. Um, <laughs> um, I would love to hear from our listeners on some topics they would like us to cover in the off season as we've only got a couple of weeks yes. left and I'm sure we'll still put some episodes out. But I know um, when we first started this podcast, <laughs> Manuel, I can't <laughs> your face um, seriously. <laughs> um, you know when we started this we were all in COVID and there was no racing and we we did some amazing things so um yeah very let it drop us a message and let us know what you'd like us to talk about yes that's all Indeed. i have to say sorry Indeed. well there you go ladies and gentlemen okay. it's been another incredible episode thank you so much so get on the socials uh like subscribe hit the notification bell tell your friends about it tell us about it if you really don't like what's going on um, get out there, but most of all, enjoy MotoGP, enjoy your racing, stay upright, get out there, go for a ride, get a motorbike. The weather's beautiful out there in the Southern Hemisphere. It is beautiful. <laughs> in the, in the and keep smiling. So much. That's right. Have a great time. And like Manuel, like El Jefe says, keep smiling. Take it easy, guys. <laughs> Bye. Okay. Bye. Bye.